Welcome to the Hoops and Huddle podcast with Malika and Brandon. And Brandon is the rubric, of course, who goes over the business side of sports. We are here this week talking about the Boston Celtics offseason. And of course, we're talking about this after the huge, biggest NBA contract of all time so far with Jalen Brown. And we're going to talk to some Celtics fans who are excited about this new deal and locking in Jalen Brown for the for eternity, probably. So the Celtics appear committed to keeping Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum together. And his deal is only going to be bigger when his comes up. But we have Nat um, Reese Rebel, but Nat the GM. That's what she's known as on Twitter. But Reese Rebel is the handle. And we have um, Justin Patton, P-A-D-E-N. I always get um he is a youtuber throw out your your handles um how people can find you um justin go ahead yeah you can yeah you can find me on youtube uh it's just jp with a z instead of an s um i also do jp talk celtics i'm building that up on my youtube and on twitter and tiktok so you can find me there nice cool Cool. and reese i mean i've known um nat the gm since clubhouse Love her knowledge of the game, um, NBA and NFL. Like she Let's talked go. about the game, the girl. Like this is the this is the episode <laughs> that Brandon has been excited about. He's like, "But we gonna have Nat? But we gonna have Nat?" So yeah, Nat definitely has admirers. So let's get started. Usually, when we've been doing these off season um, chats, we always start off with ownership. I like to start off with. Um, Brandon's wheelhouse, looking at the business side of things from the top. So mm-hmm. how do y'all feel about the ownership of the Celtics? I know y'all just recently had, no, that was the Bucks, different ownership. But let's talk about the Celtics um, ownership group and how you guys each feel about um, them and their commitment to the franchise. Go ahead, Nat. Sure. So first of all, thank y'all for the love. Um, I love what y'all do. Um, Malika, you know, I've been a fan of yours for, for years. Goes past this Twitter, Twitter spaces stuff, you know, but I appreciate y'all so much. Um, and thank you for having me. Um, when it comes to ownership, I think that they have had to make up for some, for some bad moves in the past. And they, they're finally catching up and making up for it. You know, so I've always looked at the Celtics as kind of a little cheap, <laughs> you know, like they, they pay the wrong people and they don't pay the right one. That's how I've always looked at them. So I was like, OK, they're not serious. You know, I, I can always tell when they're serious and I'm like, they're not serious, you know, and I, I can also tell you that they've gotten lucky with with some players and and it's uh, propelled them to where they are today, you know. So when it comes to ownership, I, I think I've been the most happy with them recently, you know, and I'll say in the past couple of years, you know, because you have to pay people, you have to pay these players. They're not going to come here. You know, um, you can, you can talk about that, you know, the eighties and nineties stuff all day. Oh, we're tough and gritty and, you know, in defense, nobody. I will say that. And I get on you about your, you know, <laughs> like appreciating the Celtics history. They were a great one of the greatest teams yeah. of all time. Like the 80 Celtics when Larry Bird got there, the winning but- percentage jumped. Like it, it it was an incredible jump the year he got there from the previous year. Of course. And three but times Malika, he, was you know a, what? he was amazing. But this is the thing. I don't think Matt gives enough appreciation. but this is the thing right this is the thing i know that right but how you sell larry bird you cannot sell these guys in 2023 that's it's just not the same that's facts so that's true that's that's my point i love the, the old school all that i love those guys i love that era i'm just saying that i move with the times and you're not gonna get the best of the best if you're cheap, you know, if you don't open up that, that checkbook, you know? So I am actually okay with what they're currently doing in the front office, because now it makes sense. This team makes the most sense this year, this upcoming year that's going that, that they're, that we're coming into in 2023. 
this is the team that makes the most sense to me, you know, that, okay, I say, okay, now they're serious. Now I can understand you've made up for, you know, you've needed a big man for, for a long time, long time. And now you said, open up the checkbook. So I actually like uh, where they're going right now. So I, I love the front office right now. And, and that's Bradford Stevens included. And that's oh, we're going to get to the GM next. We're going to the GM is next. The GM is next. Um, so um, I, I agree with that 100 percent regarding about the ownership. I'm really happy what the ownership is doing right now um, in terms of, you know, finally opening up the checkbook and paying players. You know, you was missing a big guy for a while. You're getting Porzingis. You was missing a facilitating point guard. You added Malcolm Barton. You added their White in the trade and then, you know, drafting like good players like a Jalen Brown and a Jason Tatum. Um, so they've been um, kind of like making up like she was saying, you know, Danny Ainge was known as like you know just taking risk and making a lot of these good or bad choices um and then you know bringing in brad stevens we're going to talk about him next um which is a good move you know they're kind of focused on trying to make up all the stuff that they were doing back in the day to where they are now to try to make the team a lot better so i'm really happy recently with the ownership so far and they're trying to take it serious to try to compete in the east and try to win a championship okay now, one of the things, Matt, uh, uh, I remember when we chatted, is probably about a year ago uh, when they made the move, Brad Stevens, now nah, it's actually maybe a little longer than that. Brad Stevens was coach, stepped into his role, basically finagled his way, something that I, I've never seen a bruh do, mm-hmm. finagled his way from getting fired to getting a promotion. And I remember we had like, hey, how this work? Like, I ain't never really heard of somebody about to be fired. Like, let me go be the GM. Like, mm-hmm. I it looks like he, they may have made some good decisions. But how do you feel ownership all the way into middle management, uh, GM, and how they're putting support around this player organization? How is that working now? Do you think they're making the right decisions? Do they have putting the right, not just players, the actual leadership and support roles, the front office, uh, player development, things of that nature. Is Brad Stevens the right person? Did they make the right moves? Are they continuing to do that? How do you feel about that? So I feel really good about it. So when that move happened, I was not a fan of Bradford Stevens. No, she was not. (laughs) I I was just not a fan of, of this man, you know, as a coach, you know, I just thought he was very stubborn. I thought that I just don't think that he utilized the players um, to, to the best of their abilities, you know, and I don't think that he got the best out of them, you know, and I think that it, he, at some point he was just talking to a wall and, and you can tell he lost the locker room. You can tell it's just his philosophy was just not working, you know. Um, and then when, you know, Daniel Lane just like, you know, um, I'm going to take time and step away because of my health. I'm like, dude, your health, your health hasn't been good necessarily for 15 years. I think he just <laughs> wanted to bow out and just, and, and as opposed to saying, I made a lot of mistakes, you know, and I'm going to bow out, you know, and put it on something else and then move Brad Stevens in there. Like, oh, it's just, you know, this is just time and it's smooth. In reality, nobody wants backlash, you know, and that's, that was my opinion of that, you know? So when Brad Stevens stepped in and I saw the moves he made, you know, MA Udoka and all that stuff like that. And it made sense, you know, I was like, all right, they're almost there, you know, but if people actually remember, and it's on my Twitter, a couple of years ago, I didn't pick Boston to go to win the finals. I remember. I, I remember that. I do I remember Golden State. That's you right. know, yeah, and, I, yeah, and I stood on. I said I'm going to die on this hill because I'm like I know I know this team and how they're constructed. And I said Boston's not ready yet. And even when we got to the finals, I said we're not going to do it. I said it's going to be fun, but old habits die hard. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and, and then, you know, whatever happened, I think that they, they did the best that they could, but you know, it is what it is. And then this past season, you see it, but they're moving in the right direction. And this is what I have been waiting for. I don't think I've ever been as excited about a Boston Celtics team um, that I am like this year since 08. Mm. Mm. Get that. I get that. Mm. <laughs> Justin, and this is, you came a long way with Brad Stevens. She was calling him outside of his name, and it used to crack me up on Clubhouse. 
Um, so with Brad Stevens, um, you know, I wasn't really huge of a fan of him as a coach just because just his philosophy coming from Butler, you know, winning the championship and then coming to the professional ranks is going to be a little bit difficult and all that. We've seen what Rick Patino done. That didn't really work out at, at all. So, but, um, you know, he got there because, you know, he had really talented players. And then, you know, you make that transition up to the front office. You're just kind of like, okay, this is going to be really interesting. What is he going to do? And then he started making these nice moves, you know, like Nat was saying, uh, bringing in Mario Doka and then bringing in a couple players too as well. And it's, it's going in a really good direction. Um, very high, you know, on Brad Stevens, you know, especially like after, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals this year, uh, bringing in a really good coaching staff, which we're probably going to get into, bringing in Sam Cassell, bringing in Charles Lee, the top yeah, nice. assistant coach. That, that was a great move. And then bringing in players that feels like he can, that could fit into the system either with Adoka and Missoula. So he done a really good job. And, um, you know, he handled himself very professionally when he does the press conference and everything. So I'm very happy the direction that he is going. And and I'm looking forward to this team this year and see what they're going to do. You know, and um, really quick, when you just said, Justin, you just reminded me, like I, I didn't touch on the coaching staff right now. Mm-hmm. I am not a huge necessarily fan of Missoula. That was my next um, question. Yeah, me though. Me though. That was my next question. You were already went into it. I, I, I thought Emei Udoka was the perfect coach for the Celtics. And yes. I, and um, even though there was a feeling that maybe all the players didn't love his style, but he mm-hmm. got results. He yeah. was able to take them in one year with Brad Stevens wasn't able to do as, as long as he was there. Is it first, um, is it first year coach or... Are first year coach that you're saying that you don't like about what he's doing, because I think those things are different. Like everybody, I don't, I don't think anybody comes out the gate. I'm the top dog on day one. What, right. What are you all seeing? What, what is it that you. So if you, if you guys remember, which we've all, we all saw it um, game one of the Philly series. So second round, mm-hmm. so they mm-hmm. lost by four it was one nineteen to one fifteen. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. said, we had a lot of good shots we needed to score more. You scored 115 points. You don't have a problem with scoring. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you have a problem with defense. Yes. You know, you have a problem with your guys are not defending. Your your defensive schemes are not working, you know, and it, people are staying in too long. Al Horford camping out in the in the corner and all yeah. this stuff. It was just like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. if they lost that game, and let's say it was just like a defensive battle, I'd be okay. You yep. know, and I'd be like, you yep. lost and you tried yep. and defensively you were giving it to them, but the shot still went in. You could clearly pinpoint why they lost. So okay. like a few games, those, those three games, you can pinpoint what happened. And it, to me, it had to do with philosophy. Yeah. Some guys, you know, they didn't play their best, but defense will win you some games man like defense will get you somewhere because and after a while offense will follow and yeah. they just it that wasn't the the, the motto so yeah. i don't like missoula's attitude per se he sits you know in the you know the podium he's like no one's gonna say anything about the <laughs> oh, right, really you know and he gets up and walks away i'm like dude like i mean i'm 33 so he's like 34. So I'm like, dude, I wouldn't even do that. Like, I would, there's no way. So I'm like, oh my God, grow up. You know, you know, you made a mistake, you know, yeah. so just, just fix it. So it's just his attitude and his coaching style that I'm very like, I'm just a little bit like taken aback by, but I truly think that if he does not uh, get better and, and change a little bit of his philosophy, his replacement was the first one hired, and that is Sam Cassell. Yeah. So. Yeah. Ooh, I, I should have been a coach by now, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, he should have yes. been a coach by now. I agree. He definitely yes. should have been a coach by now. Um, I was hope like, it looked like in a playoff, some of his press conferences, I was like, I mean, he doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't. And I hate to do it. And a lot of people were doing it. It's unfortunate 
let's just say it. It's unfortunate what happened with the May Udoka in Boston yeah. last summer. It's, it's a shame that, um, and hopefully, you know, there was no um, using position to get anything in this, but we never found out the true nature. I am not blaming anyone, the victim or anyone like that. I just want to put it out there. I support mm -hmm. victims mm -hmm. of, you know, if any sexual harassment taking place, but there's no record that it did. Mm -hmm. So with the May Udoka, um, I don't know if Boston could have, you know, like he was the perfect coach I felt for that team and losing him, I felt was a, a huge hit. Um, Joe Mazzula had a tough act to follow to have a yeah. first year coach yep. get done with a May Udoka get done, got done. Um, and I'm pissed my Nets did not hire him, but I digress. Um, but I, Joe Mazzula, his first year, okay, everybody's not going to hit like Yudoka hit his first year. Maybe his second year is the charm. What changes would you like to see from him in year two? Um, like, what are your top priorities that you would like him to focus on for year two? He does have Sam, he does have some coaches coming in that can really help. But what, um, what would you like the coaching staff to focus on? Then we'll move on to the roster. Um, so with Joe Mazzula and you're right, Malika, he had like a really tough uh, act to follow after Udoka taking them to the finals. And there was just a lot of expectations and it was a lot of pressure on Mazzula. And it wasn't like really that we wanted Missoula as a coach and all that the organization was like, this is going to be our best hollow and we're going to see how we're going to walk with, um, with them this year. So um, with Missoula, got to call timeouts. That's the one, that's the first thing I always said about Missoula. And when I watch games that he doesn't call timeouts, he just try to trust the players a lot more. And it was like, you know what you got to do in this situation. So go ahead and do it. And y'all got to figure it out. Cause he was more of a, like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like he absorbs a lot more than Yudoka because Yudoka had the player experience. So he knows what the players go through because he played in the NBA before. Missoula's just observing, just trying to figure things out. Um, you know, he's not, he's, you know, don't really talk. He just, you know, do what he does. He's not really, you know, coaching. So maybe he might put his input in a little bit of coaching with, you know, Sam Cassell and Charles Lee coming in to help him, you know, figure out how to be a better coach and how to uh, better this team and how he can put his mind into uh, coaching this team. So I think he just got to call timeouts. I just think he just needs to just figure out different ways. He'd be switching a lot, you know, and they'll just like switch up different people. It's like, why not just stay or try to come off screens or trying to come up on screens so there's just like a lot of different ones that he need really needs to work on but I'm glad he got uh people that have experience um in the uh coaching staff that's going to help them this year okay 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 um now let's move to the to the roster um first of all let's talk about Jalen Brown's contract um he signed a 304 million I believe it's a five-year contract, 300? Yes, it is. Um, the richest um, NBA contract um, to date. Uh, Jason Tatum will surpass him next summer when he signs his. And it's predicted to be like 338 or something like that. Mm -hmm. He's going to make another all-NBA team. Um, so what, first of all, how do you feel about the deal? I don't know if the Celtics could have avoided um, signing him to this deal. Um, but how, what are your thoughts about the deal? Because now they is predict, you know, it's already estimated next summer they're going to be above the second apron. They will not be able to utilize the mid-level exception. The draft pick automatically moves to the back of the draft. They will not be they they're going to be hampered on how they can build their roster because of the new CBA. So um, let's talk about that first, then we move on to the roster construction this summer so far. Go ahead, Nat. Okay. Um, and that I know you haven't been exactly a staunch <laughs> fan of Jalen Brown. So when this deal was signed, I, I want to hear. That's why I want to hear the difference of what I heard twelve months ago. Like, let's go, Nat. Let's go. Ham. She goes ham on him. Go yeah, yeah. Honest thoughts. Let's so <laughs> the 
that's a lot of money for Jalen Brown. Um, I, I don't see whether you're a fan of his or not. It's a lot of money for a, a player of his caliber. It's not that he's a bad player. You know, it's it's not that he stinks or anything like that. I, I don't think guys stink. That's not what I'm so saying. Maybe 225 is a better range of 200. Like if you would have signed that, maybe you wouldn't have been as... Uh... Five years, 250? I would have been like, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I think that I would have been able to stomach that a little bit more, you know. Um, the only reason why I'm not I'm not necessarily like as enraged as I knew as I would have been is because I technically thought that because of some bad decisions a few years ago, we would have had to trade Jalen Brown to get a, a big man of KP's caliber. Yeah. That's actually why I would have been, you know, really pissed off if we had Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and then same Al Horford, Robert Williams, I would have been really, really pissed off because I'm like, this does not make sense. You know, mm-hmm. we have not addressed anything, you know, on this roster that we need to, to propel us forward. So once we got KP for Marcus Smart, I said, hmm, it hurts a little less. I, I, will, I will be honest with you because we got rid of an inefficient scorer in a mid playmaker, whether people want to admit it or not, you know, Ooh. he was a mid playmaker and, you know, and he was in the chuck in the shots and, and stuff like as much as I love Marcus smart, you know, I knew he was not a starting point guard, you know, especially for this team. You have been saying that for a while. Yeah. So, when he left, I was, and I, and, and when I found out that the Malcolm Brogdon deals fell through and then we kept um, Brogdon, but Marcus left, I said, woof, we got rid of the right one. And everyone's <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, y'all are crazy, you know, but when it, but when it comes to the Jalen Brown deal, I, it hurts a little less for me because we kept some really good scorers who can also defend. We got, we kept guys that can do both. You know, and that's important. So now Jalen has a guy in KP who's actually going to help him. You know, he's going to take a lot of attention away where he doesn't have to dribble the air out of the ball. And there he can minimize the dribbling and he can just go back to efficiently scoring, which is actually what he's good at. So if he's going to take three less dribbles and he's going to score 25 points, if that's what you're telling me for the next four to five years, then I'm okay with the deal, you know, especially if there's a championship or two in there. But, um, I, you know, if they don't win anything, I'll be honest with you, we're going to, we're going to revisit this and we're going to, we're, we're going to have to <laughs> about what I gotta be honest. <laughs> I gotta be honest, Matt. I did have some concern with it. I am probably closer in the market smart category. Mm-hmm. Not what you said. What you said is accurate. I don't look at Marcus Smart as I'm going to put up points. If they still had Ime Udoka, I'd be like, cool, Marcus Smart, you can bounce. But given his tenacity on the defensive end of the ball, Mm -hmm. presence in the locker room, at the same time that Missoula looks like he's losing the attention of players at critical moments in games, that was my concern. Mm -hmm. Couple that with, if KP is not going to be healthy at some stretches throughout the year, they're in trouble again, regardless of the number, regardless mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a shitload of money to all the players or not. If you don't have KP, you don't have KP, you don't have them. So that was my only thing that I wondered how it will affect the chemistry of that locker room at the same time when you just turned over your coach. Mm-hmm. Now, and um, uh, add in Sam, okay, cool. That I think that might offset it because of his seniority in the league right. itself. Uh, he's closer to a Monte, uh, I mean, to a, a Monte than probably a Missoula in terms of his respect and cachet in the league. Mm-hmm. That's what I wondered. That that was my only concern. I was like, man, they're losing yeah. something at a year that they went downhill compared to the previous. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, that, and and lose and and just real quick, you mm-hmm. know, that's one of the reasons Memphis went so hard for him too because oh. they <laughs> needed they want his presence in the locker room. They're trying yeah. to build. Um, some pieces around Ja. Um, and I, so I know why they went for him, but yeah, your response. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was, when I seen that deal yesterday, I was kind of like, 
emotionally, I was like, no. But it was expected, though, because you heard rumors that it's possibly going to get done. And, you know, he was eligible for this contract on July the 1st and it's uh, July 26th. So they finally agreed to a deal and all. So at first I was like, oh, God, this is not good. But then I'm looking at like the other side of it because, yeah, he's going to have the richest contract in NBA history. That's going to tell you that there's going to be more players. Jason Tatum, once his contract is up, is going to get more money, like around $338 million. Shea Gilgis Alexander probably going to be the first player that's going to get $400 million, You know, But that's based not on for a few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah in the, in the next few years, uh, based on the salary cap and the, you know, because it's increasing by 10% with the TV deals looming mm-hmm. and also the, mm-hmm. era, the revenue is increasing. So it, it didn't really bother me as much. It's a little bit of extra money for Jalen. And that was a smart move on his part because he got the trade kicker. So when, you know, he gets traded, you know, hope, uh, you know, one day, if anything just happens, he's going to get more money out of it. And then also, you know, he has no player option in this final year and all that. So, um, you know, I'm very happy for Jalen. And as a person, he's great. And, you know, they're trying to figure things out because he's helping the community, you know, and what he wants to do for the city of Boston. So, yeah, it was just a little bit of money. But at the same time, you know, you can't really you can't complain about it. It's a done deal. You got to do what you got to do. It's championship or bust the next couple of years. They have to win it this year or they have to win the next year because if they don't win the championship, I mean, it's pretty much going to be a waste of a contract. Yeah. And um, just to go back to um, Brennan, what you said, I think that when people think of the word leader, they think of one type of leader and that's the mm-hmm. loud guy. And yeah just because you're loud doesn't mean you're a leader and it also doesn't mean you're a great one. I think that sometimes that if someone or if guys are more reserved and a guy is louder, then the louder person always looks like the leader. In reality, that's not necessarily it. You know, I think that there's some tenure there with Marcus Smart because he was the the longest standing Boston Celtic Mm -hmm. on the roster Mm -hmm. since I think 2014, so about nine years. Mm-hmm. So of course you'd look to him and then he's loud, he's aggressive, you know, he's, he's passionate, all these things. But I've seen leadership from Al Horford. I've seen mm-hmm. leadership from Jason Tatum. I've seen leadership from Jalen Brown. I've seen mm-hmm. it at different times, you know? And one thing, like when we talk about leadership and let's say Jason Tatum, he's not aggressive and rough. He's yeah. smooth and to the point, yep. you know, he's like, we need to get out here. We need to play. I'm going to go for, I'm going to lead by example. Leading by example is also leadership. If you know that this team is yep. not doing well, then you, you should also know they should be following your lead and you got to get them out of that rut. And I've seen him do that multiple times. Mm-hmm. So I think that people are looking for a loud leader and that's not necessarily what Boston needs, you know? So I think that when it comes to leading, I think that some guys will take, you know, certain reins at certain times. But I think Jason leads by example, and yep. he's only going to increase, you know, his leadership and, and, and do better, you know, with that. He probably will be a little bit more vocal, but he doesn't yep. have to be as loud as Marcus Smart. Yep. You say is the leader on the team if they're not producing. That was what I was looking for throughout uh, when that, that Philly series. If they were not producing, who was the guy that the team, I don't know, call it uh, maybe Udonis, call it... Uh, uh, you know, some of the other quiet leaders in the league, mm-hmm. uh, whether they were vocal or not, who would you say, knowing that the team more so than others, the team looks to like, yo, I'm a, what he say, we, we flow that way. So this is the thing. They're looking at Jason. That's just period. I mean, he, if you remember that Philly series and people are always going to have something to say about Jason, it's because he's not rough and aggressive. Point blank period. That's yep. why they don't like him. Yep. He's smooth, you know, and he can get aggressive when he wants to. Okay. But when you think about when you think back to that Philly series, nobody showed up for that game seven. If nobody. you if you want to be real, nobody. <laughs> nobody. Jalen Brown did not have a good series. Mm-hmm. He's missing defensive coverages, leaving people three point shooters who are third in in uh, all time uh, three point shooting in the corner alone. You know, uh, James Harden had a whole dinner prepared. You know, he had all that time to eat <laughs> and then shoot that mm-hmm. shot. Mm-hmm. You no, know? but um, 
it, he, you know, it's like, he was the only one that showed and then everyone else had moments, but there was an aggressiveness that I think happened. What was it in game, maybe game six or something mm-hmm. or whatever that Tatum said, F that, you know, he's, you know, he said, I'm going to keep shooting. I'm give me the ball. Yep. And yep. they won. And then game seven was history. You yep. know, he's the only one that showed up. And I think maybe Robert Williams, but Robert Williams is not supposed to be, be the guy you necessarily lean on. He's a yep. comp. You know, so Jason is definitely the guy you're looking at, like, what are we going to do? Because guess what? When he sits, it the team looks terrible. Like, yes. when, when he sits. You're looking at Jason. It's definitely yes. <laughs> All right. All right. What'd you say, Justin? What you got? Oh, I agree with that 100% regarding about the leadership. Because now this year, you're going to be, like, looking at Tatum and Brown as the leaders of the team. Um, and like Nat said, you don't have to be as vocal, you know, like a monk Smart being emotional, you know, that emotional leader. They can lead by example, whether on the basketball court or like, you know, try to pick each other up. You know, you still got veterans like Al Holford that can still be leaders that can, you know, lead this team and all. So, yeah, you don't have to be a vocal leader, just lead by example. You know, we see Tatum have moments where, you know, he'll just lead. Because if Tatum gets motivated and plays really hard, the whole team picks up the picks up the ante. Like you see Brogdon, you see Robert Williams, everybody will follow behind Jason Tatum. So Jason Tatum is exactly going to be the leader of it. But like, like, like Nat said, you, he doesn't have to be as vocal. He just got to lead by example. Now, we already alluded to a big pickup um, that you guys with Kristaps proposing is who in the past has had health issues yeah. where he couldn't stay healthy a whole season. Um, he looked good last year with Washington playing with um, Kuzma. Um, and I'm intrigued to see him with Jason Tatum and um, um, Jalen Brown. I think it can unlock him a little bit. I think it could be a really good addition. It could be like you guys' version about when um, Walton joined the Celtics and they had that incredible season in 86. You know, who knows? He could come to the Celtics and he has his best season. Um, another player you guys have that is kind of injury. I just feel like you have you have Malcolm Brogdon is coming off an injury. That's why he couldn't be traded. You have Robert Williams, who's been injury prone, and you have Porzingis. Like, what are your concerns with your roster construction and backups for those players if there's an issue? Go ahead, Nat. Yeah. Um, when it well, Marcus Smart wasn't always 100% healthy. I don't know that's true. What we're thinking of when when they say I'm not even referring to Marcus, I'm just talking about the fact that I know the the roster is next, the way your roster is constructed. No, no, I know, I know what you're saying. And my point to that is Marcus was never 100% healthy, really. Um, year, year in, year out. So, you know, so he's had years where he's played 50 something games, 60 something games. You know, I, I think there's one in there was 40 something. It's just, it, it, there, it, you, he doesn't necessarily touch 70. I think he touched 70 a couple of times, you know, or a few times or whatever, but like, it, he's not necessarily always healthy. He's always banged up because of how he plays the game. You know, there's games he's had to miss. There's games he, you know, where he had, you had to play him a little less because, you know, he's banged up. His ankle is messed up. His shoulders are messed up because he's, you know, he's on the floor or whatever. So he's not as, um, you know, he's not, he's not himself, you know? So I think that injuries just are a part of the game, honestly. Yeah. And yeah. it just, it just kind of, it's, it's what it is, you know? Um, Malcolm Brogdon is a, is a guy that he was healthy all year up until that third round. And if it was not for him, a lot of games and um, that second, the second round, you know, versus Philly, he has some, he has some good games, you know, he just came in, he was a bucket and you like, he shoots 40% from three, you know, and Mm -hmm. he shoots a Mm -hmm. lot of them, you know, Mm -hmm. that's not a fluke. So less concerned about Malcolm Brogdon really. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I just know because the injury that he has, I think he'll heal and I think he'll be right back, honestly. And I, and I really do feel like, you know, in my heart of all hearts that we kept the right guards. I really do, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I really been, like Derek White as well. So, yeah, I've been a fan of Malcolm since he got into the league, since he was in uh, with Milwaukee. 
I yeah. watch him every single year and I've always wanted him in Boston. Every single year, I'm like, why haven't we traded for Malcolm Brogdon every year and we got him. I was excited. Yep. I'm okay that he was hurt in that third round because it's just a part of the game sometimes, you know? Now, if you only play in 20 games a year, you know, 30 games a year, okay, we can That's talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, we can talk about it. But, you know, it, it this kind of is what it is. We're going to roll with the punches. Also, our guys conditioning. That's my other thing. Our guys working, like, making sure that their bodies, are, are, are they consuming the right foods? You know, are they drinking enough water? Are they, you know, are they hydrating? All these other things to keep themselves going and, you know, preserve their body, you know, how are they treating themselves? So I think Malcolm is also one of the ones that he does do that. You know, he's good at his nutrition and all that stuff like that. So the rest of it, we just have to, you know, chalk it up to sometimes things happen. And when it comes to Chris Stops, he um, said something in his press conference that I've always felt. He said, my body had had to mature, you know, and because he's a, a really big dude, you know, he's a, he's a big man. You know, and sometimes those guys, they're a little bit more injury prone because of, of their size and their height, you know, so he's like my body had to mature. And then last year he had a great season and he played like 65 games, I think, yeah. you know, which is good, which is really good, honestly, for a big man of, of his size and caliber. So um, if you're going to tell me that he's going to play 65 to 68 games, sit out a few and then come back for the playoffs and be ready for the playoffs, I'm all right with that. So I'm going to roll with it, you know? So um, everybody can't be Jason Tatum. I always look at the, uh, the road not taken and opportunity costs. You have your show, uh, so you want to be a GM, and people are always criticizing what moves are made. What were the alternatives for that were on the market? Forget the number 304. I don't think, I personally don't think that's a big deal. Everybody knows. I don't think the players get paid enough, hands down, across the board of the NBA. Right. Because the, the owners are going to be cleaning up. With this new <laughs> yeah. 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 Money's still going to come I in. Mean, I mean, a Hornets just sold a, a three million valuation. What <laughs> <laughs> they have done? Sold for three million million. What is it? Mm-hmm. Chris Epps. So, so, ask me that one more time. I think I missed the question. If it's not Jalen Brown, uh-huh. if they don't do that deal means that you're looking at some other major moves across the league what other alternatives that they have out there that would have been significantly better than keeping Jalen Brown in house and doing something would you have wanted Damian Lillard if he if you if he had Boston as a preferred team would he he been an alternative to Jalen Brown for you I go I go back and forth with that I'm not the biggest Damian Lillard uh, fan. Um, you know, p- you know, people can say what they want about Damian Lillard and, oh, it's just the team he's played on. He's played on some good teams. You know, I mean, he, you may not have had, like, first team, you know, uh, players, but you had some really good good players that also – with like, LaMarcus uh, Aldridge. Nice. Them years with LaMarcus Aldridge. Yes. Oh, God, LaMarcus Aldridge, yes. man. Like, he's yes. one of my favorite big men, you know. <laughs> One day we got to we got to talk about Marcus Saul, twenty thousand career points, man, and nobody talks about it. That no. is huge for someone um, of his of his caliber. Yeah, but he's played with some with some really good guys, and you know I I can think back to uh, let's say a couple seasons ago, man, when he lost that series versus Denver, and Denver really had none of their starters. They it was like all bench guys and and Joker. I was like, man, I should tell y'all something right there. Like he he had his whole team and they didn't have theirs, and then he still lost. I was like, okay, that should tell you something. I wasn't a fan of the Damian Lillard one, I, and I really yo-yoed back and forth with it because do I think that he would have had a really good um, run in Boston? Yes. Um, as long as we would have kept guys like Derek White and Brian. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that he still would have been great in Boston. But I was fine with keeping Brogdon and Derek White, you know. Um, then you talk about where, where are you going to trade him to uh, Portland for the number three pick? And then, you know, uh, what's my guy's uh, Anthony Simons, who, who's a mm-hmm. big way for him to just be able to Love bust him. Yes. Um, yes. You know, but – uh, do you do that? And I was a fan. I think Scoot's going to be a, a damn. Oh, Scoot is going to be phenomenal. He's going to be phenomenal. <laughs> I think I'm, he's I'm, perfect for Portland. I think yeah. that I'm one of the rare people that think um, Hornets in Portland, they landed with the 
right franchises. Yes. I um I I'm gonna say the jury's out for me on the the Brandon Miller pick. I, I'm gonna wait to see it. Um, nope, I love it. I'm I'm already sold, but I know you are. <laughs> I know you are. I'm gonna say I'm gonna wait because I, when, when there's a scoot on the board, I'm just Lamelo. Like, People are forgetting. How did Lamelo feel about that? I don't know. Mm. What did he express? I got he's you. The cornerstone. Got you. He's the cornerstone. Yeah. And he was all in on Brandon Miller, calling him and 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 communicating with him. And he ain't want Scoot to come take his spot. I would call Brandon too. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I just I just think that that's something that people are not taking, and they just assuming. And I'm like. You got to be careful when, when it comes to egos and player can I think true. I think this is a tangent. Sorry, listeners. I think Scoot is going to be phenomenal. I think it was time for Portland to move on yep. um, from Damian Lillard. It was overtime. Damian Lillard should have been traded a few years ago. Yes. Um, I yes. think he's going to end up in Miami, but I do think Scoot in Portland is the right place for him because they needed. They needed Dane to move Another on, dynamic guard. and he should be there. Yeah. I think it would have been interesting with him and Lamelo in a lineup. When I think that I don't think I'm one of the rare people. I'm not sure that would have worked. You got to look at chemistry, and would Lamelo want him there? I mean, the vibes I'm getting, I'm not so sure. Um, when you look at the chemistry with Brandon Miller, how much he's been, yeah, you know, I don't know. You know, he was at his workout when he went there the second time. He was right there with Mark Williams. They were right there in the front. Like, you just look at all the signs. But back to Boston. Um, Real quick, though, like, uh, and I and I feel you. I think I'm just such a Scoop fan at the things I... I I love Scoop. I love Scoop. But um, when it comes to the alternatives, if you kind of think about it, I don't think that there were a lot out there, you know, that mm-hmm. made sense. Mm-hmm. I think that last year, um, you know, it's kind of like in hindsight, would you have traded JB for, for Kevin Durant? You, you know, some mm-hmm. people are like, some people are like, okay, did, did we miss it again? Because Boston has done that before where, yeah. you know, certain guys, you know, you could have gotten them and they held back you know, and they held back. So, mm-hmm. you know, were they like, ah, what would it have made a difference in the finals if we had had Kevin Durant? The answer is yes. It, mm-hmm. it, the answer is absolutely, uh, not in the finals, excuse me, um, the, the Eastern Conference Finals. Eastern Conference but, Finals. Yeah, yeah. would it have made a difference? The answer is yes, absolutely. It would have made a huge difference. And I think actually we probably would have won still, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that there were a lot. Then you hear, you know, um, you know, um, players like, uh, cat, I love cat. Yeah, you would have been pissed. Let's be honest, Boston. You would have been pissed if Jalen Towns was a Celtic right now for Jalen. You would have been pissed. You would have been pissed if Marcus Smart was traded and Malcolm Brogdon was traded for Carlton Towns. You would have been pissed. You would have been pissed either way. Uh, Christoph Porzingis is absolutely the best option that we could have gotten for just one player. You know, and keeping Jalen Brown, it it actually makes more sense now. So I actually think that the right things were done. And it just remains to be seen, though, if that money will come back and and bite them. Yeah. 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 um, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Justin. Um, I was just going to say I agree with that 100% about that. Um, there wasn't really a lot of options. You know, the whole Damian Lillard, I was back and forth to as well. I was just trying to think how he's going to fit with Boston, you know, in terms of the way he plays. Um, is he going to be like off the ball a lot more? So I was just kind of going back and forth with that one. Um, you know, you hear some other ones, you know, Joel Embiid, you know, one day possibly coming to Boston. I was just like, uh, I don't think it's going to be good cat. No. So, you know, they've been doing a really good job of just keeping just the pulse of what they really need and all that. It's like, oh, we need a facilitating point guard. Let's go get a facilitating point guard. Get, you know, Michael Bargain. Get, you know, Derek White in the trade. So they kept their pulse. We needed available big because there's no way Grant Williams was going to stay in Boston. And they got Porzingis, which is probably the best option and all that. I would love to see a Zubat from the Clippers come to Boston, you know, a guy that could be – 
consistent with a double double. So they they kept their hands on their posts for the team just to see how they could keep improving the team so that they can get into the uh, finals to win the championship. So um, I, there wasn't really really any options. Okay. All right. I just want to say real quick, this, the salary cap is going to continue to increase. I had a conversation in the group chat with Hoop Spaces, and he was saying he thinks there's going to be this is he thinks that these salaries are going to like bubble up. Like it's not going to be this huge, like these salaries are going to see these mass increases across the board. Um, we'll see. Cause right now we are already seeing a fate, you know, like the middle men are being phased out with these big contracts. Like they wanted to have the mid-level, the mid-level players that get an increase. They get, you know, in CBA, they get an increase. But if you have these teams go into the second apron and they only can sign minimum contracts, it was talked about in the Pat Beverly podcast I looked at today and I really look at it, but T-Mac was on it. And he was saying, y'all ratified this CBA and like you're a player that should be getting, like some of the players like you that should be getting between 10 and 12 million. You're not signing for that because these players, these teams are not going to have the room to sign yeah. level players. So you guys ratify the CBA that is cutting the middleman. It's still cutting the middleman. And Pat Beverly could just say, yeah. And so we'll see what happens as a result of that. That's, that's, that's what I wanted to point out. Cause I thought that was an interesting comment to make. Now, you know, my last question is you look at the Celtics um, as constructed, is, are there any other moves you would like them to make? Or are you comfortable? Like you said earlier, you are more, you're the most excited about your team, the Celtics that you've been in, in, in a long, in a while. Um, you know, like, or is there anything else they can do to make it better? Are you solid with where you are now? And hey, let's start the season. Um, I'm excited for the season. Um, we, I know you know, losing Marcus Smart and Grant Williams, you know, that's a couple of defensive players, and they kind of got a bad uh, signing Brissett from Indiana and also drafting Jordan Walsh, who's going to be kind of like Grant Williams' replacement. So um, this team, I feel like they're going to really compete and they can go to the finals if, you know, because Grant Williams said something on the old man in the three podcast um, saying that the connectivity on the defensive side uh, wasn't there last year, as well as uh, the late game decisions. Hopefully this season they can walk on like the turnovers, they can walk on the late game decisions and try to figure out because they be up by like 10 or 12 points. And then all of a sudden they lose their side on defense. They can't really hit shots. They depend on the three too much. So competition in the East, the only competition is uh, – Milwaukee, the only thing with Milwaukee, they just got a new coach. So um, this team, and then you add in Porzingis, you got the same coach, you got the same players that you have. You just lost Smart and Grant Williams. Um, I feel like they can really compete in the East. Um, I, they can be a 50-win team. Um, they can win the championship. Like I said, it's championship or bust, you know, this year or next year. As constructed, no additional moves made. You still take that position? Uh, I will still take that position um, just because, like, I feel very confident in the squad. Um, you know, you're going to see Tatum might have, like, a really good season. You see he was top three in MVP last year. He might take a step up. You know, Jalen Brown, in terms of, you know, he just signed that big contract and all that, where he's going to be producing, Porzingis. So you got, like, a really nice roster, and then you got people that you can close out as well. Dale White, I'm really excited about. That's probably the one – most exciting player I'm I'm ready for for the Celtics. He's getting to that starting position and being able to, you know, do what he does. He might be able to facilitate. He's going to play defense. He's going to score the basketball if he's open with the three. So I'm very excited about him. I'm very confident in this team. And you beefed up the coaching staff to help Mazzullo and his coaching. So I'm very excited. Okay. All right. All right. Matt. Okay. Justin spitting, y'all. Justin out here spitting. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So y'all in the light. So, I mean, I'm looking for go ahead now. So shout out to Justin, man. Love you, man. <laughs> so when it comes to this team, the one thing that um, makes me feel good about where they're they're at currently is the fact that they were able to retain Al Horford. Yep. And Robert Williams. Yep. 
They did not. What about Peyton Pritchard? What do you think about him? Huh? What do you think about Peyton Pritchard? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> I was curious because we like, haven't his name like, at all. But go ahead. I just hope he's happy that he's going to finally get some playing time. So I, I, he might, and if he doesn't, he doesn't. He but, doesn't. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, not not. I'm not big on Peyton Pritchard. I, I'll be completely honest. Um, but what I will say is, I think the key to um, being stable and being confident in this roster was keeping Al Horford and Robert Williams yep. and making sure that you did not touch them in trades because yep. it's vital. Now, what you did was well, I'm going to tell you exactly what Boston did when they got rid of Grant Williams. Reason why it doesn't hurt as bad is because who now moves into that position, but plays more consistently Al Horford. Yep. You know, so you just replace Grant Williams with the better version, you know, of the of Grant Williams, you know, of something, somebody who hopes to be, you know, somebody who Grant hopes to be at some point and more, consi- more consistent. So you you just have Al Horford now. So, OK, Grant Williams is gone. You got Al Horford, you know, now mm-hmm. Al Horford goes from, you know, leaning on him to play 25 minutes a game. So now you jump down and put him to about 13 to 15. So now he doesn't look as, as gassed and as old. So now, okay, cool. So when he comes off the bench, we don't need you to bail us out with seven threes in the corner. We just need you to play solid basketball. You don't have to to bail us out. You don't have to be leaned on the score. You do your thing, you know, and and then you go sit down and you're not, and we didn't kill you, you know, because last year they killed that man. You know, yeah. so Robert Williams going to be your starting five defensive anchor who was also working on his offense. And then, you know, he's going to be right next to Kristaps. That is huge. That is going to be one of the most dangerous four and five combos in the league. In the, yeah, you're right. In the league. You're right. You're right. It's going to be nasty. Block shot everywhere because Kristaps likes to block shots, yes. you know, and um his footwork, I think, is gonna is gonna be a lot better in Boston. I think Robert, it, you know, now he has somebody who he can just defend, and then that guy can go and, and score. Now Robert can just be himself, so mm-hmm. it helps Rob too, you know. So I am very excited. They don't have to make another move, to be honest, for, for me to be excited and to think that they're gonna get to the Eastern Conference Finals and the Finals. I think this is the year where you can be the most confident um, in them. And when it comes to Malcolm Brogdon, hey, I would have loved for him to have been the starter, you know, because I'm just huge on him. I've seen Mm -hmm. him start before all his career, and he's been a damn good player. Yes. 90 kind of guy. But Derek White is a guy that he's stable. He makes really good decisions. He's a hell of a defender. He's He's a locker room guy, on the court guy. You know, and when you give him confidence and let him, and not let him just be the bystander and say, Derek, take control, you get some amazing games out of Derek and, and he's consistent, you know, when he gets that opportunity. So I think it might be a good a, a good thing that he actually is starting, you know, as the as the starting point guard. He's a little bit bigger too. And he and you know, and he plays really good with the with the starting lineup. So I'm excited, man. And it just means that Jalen's going to be your two guard, um, definitely. And he's an efficient scorer. So I think it's just going to help. Everybody's going to have equal help and be able to play their games. So I'm excited about this roster. And Jordan Walsh, I think, was a sneaky pick. I didn't know much about him. I had to go and research. He is a guy that he's he's an energy dude. Yes. Played the right way. And he, there's no quit in his game. He's no. going to be all over the floor. You give him that corner three, he's going to shoot it. It looks really good. So mm-hmm. he doesn't mm-hmm. have to play, but what, eight to nine minutes a game of solid, tough basketball? What we, so what are we talking about? I, I got to go into the finals, people. Biggest threat, uh, real quick, the biggest threat to the Celtics across the league, not just the East. Who do you think two or three teams mm-hmm. that concern you for this current makeup that they have go ahead justin mm-hmm. milwaukee you still you st- i mean you still got that core group with uh Giannis and chris Milton and drew holiday you still got that core like i said they just got a new coach so they kind of scale me a little bit i'm not really scared as much for miami just because they lost gabe benson they lost max Struess. 
So okay. it's kind of going to be really tough I for Miami. I think going to be a big um, loss, for, bigger loss. For big, him. big loss. And um, the Lakers is looking really good. The Lakers is looking really good. Um, it depends on how healthy Anthony Davis and LeBron James could be, but they picked up really nice pieces that I like. Devil's still out there. They're still going to be like the favorites because they just won the they title. Lost Brown, they, they lost Bruce Brown. They lost Bruce Brown. That's the thing. They lost Bruce Brown. They lost Jeff Green. So, and you still, but you, you know, you still got Jokic. You still got Aaron Gordon. You still got Jamal Moore. You still got MPJ. So they're still kind of like the favorites because they, you know, they just won the championship. So I got to respect them. So that the, the, the them teams kind of scare me a little bit. I'm not really scared as much with Golden State because they, I don't know what they're doing over there in Golden State, to be honest with you. So though Lakers, Nuggets, Milwaukee, they okay. kind of scare me a little bit though. But I think Boston, like I said, if everybody can stay healthy, if they play really good basketball, if they able to, uh, you know, overcome the late game decisions, have less turnovers, Boston is going to be really hard to beat. Healthy clip show? Mm, I don't really trust the Clippers just because I really don't trust the Clippers because, like I say, we don't really know how healthy Kawhi and Paul George is going to be. Um, Russell Westbrook, you know, I really like the – I mean, I like that he stayed because he's probably been like your most consistent and healthy player along with Zubak. Um, I wish they could play like the young guys a little bit more like, you know, Terrence Mann and all of them. But I I don't really – they don't really strike fear with me, you know, the Clippers. Okay. They really That's don't. Fair. That's fair. That's fair. What you got, Matt? Um, I'm going to always show love to the Clippers. Um, I'm just a Paul George lover, and I don't care where. I love Paul is. George. I do, too. And I'm a Kawhi fanatic, though, and I I'm just pissed at- Exactly. <laughs> I love Kawhi. I love Paul George. You know, they got some guys I absolutely just love to watch over there. So I'm going to always look at them like, man, do something. Like, I, I believe in you. <laughs> you know, um, you have to be concerned about the Clippers because everyone, you know, you don't win until you do. And then it's mm-hmm. like, it could be that year, you know? And it's like, you can't just l- overlook them because of health, because I can look at the Lakers and be like, well, LeBron is a year older, you know, Anthony Davis plays when he wants to, you know, and sometimes he like, he'll look like, you know, a 25 and 12 player. Then on another night, he'll look like 11 and seven, you know, it just, and, and he's healthy, by the way, I don't want to hear that excuse. He, <laughs> he's healthy. So, you know, I, I'm not c- concerned necessarily. Um, if, if you're not concerned about the Clippers, I'm not concerned about the Lakers. You know, it just is what it is. But you, so I would say that I have such a confidence in Boston. Uh, the East looks a mess. Yeah. Y'all ever seen the campaign? It's a mess. It's yeah. a mess. It's a mess. Yeah. I mean, um, we said that we said the top three were locks last. I will never say the top three teams in the East again. are locks again after <laughs> Miami at the eight seed got to the finals. I can't do it. You, um, I feel like the East is wide open if the Celtics aren't in the finals. And I'll tell you right now, prove it to me now. I feel like they're on their way down. I'm not concerned about Milwaukee anymore because we saw that crack in them and it was a nasty one you know drew holiday looked like he gave up and it looked like that bench was Mm -hmm. was just all over the place guys um guys look a lot older you know than than maybe their ages they just look Mm -hmm. a lot older and just Mm -hmm. they don't have it like they used to you know and but you got Giannis, and Giannis is the man but you know brooke lopez is a year older you know, mm-hmm. Robin Lopez is a year. I think Robin signed with his brother. Over yes, yes, yeah. So he's a year older. Although, and I love Robin Lopez too. Uh, he was my favorite uh, Lopez brother. But um, I it just still doesn't make sense to me just yet. And Giannis can be beaten. We've seen it. You know, yeah. Giannis and, can be beaten. Um, yeah. Philly, what the hell? What the heck is Philly is the best? And if uh, <laughs> Harden wants nothing to do with Philly for some reason, so he sees something that we don't. Harden be seeing stuff because yeah. the next, the, the very is following the year, and that's a player who loves to jump, who who will quit on a team in a hot second. He will not. You know what, Malika? I support him. I, I know you do. Him. We differ on David Harden. I, I recognize him as a great talent. Team. I recognize him as a great. Talent. He did get roasted with the Nets until they saw the rest talent. of that squad fall apart because we was hosting in rooms. So I was like, 
damn, he saw it. Like, he don't even look like the bad guy no more. I respect <laughs> him as a great talent. Right? But when the going get tough, Harden is out. I'm going to be real with you, Malika. <laughs> Malika, he's on his way to 34, 35 years old. He has no time to, no. to, to play. With I agree with that part. I just, his 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 leaving when it going get tough. I, I, I think he's a great talent. Houston Harden will... Will uh, will live in my memory. For- but he but he didn't leave, and he lost a lot in Houston. He didn't leave. He didn't say trade me. He was young. He was at his best. And he, he didn't did say trade, trade me at the end. He, huh? he showed up in how many years? He showed up in Kent with a fat suit. How many years? And um, and then showed up at the Nets and got injured. And um, how and many years? The next season. How many years did he give Houston? He gave him some years, but he disrespected the players in the lot. He disrespected the players on that team that year, Boogie and John Wall going in there being disrespectful. He will get off of a team. He will make it so uncomfortable that you're going to trade himself. His, his if you would have said this about 27, 28 year old James Harden, I would have agreed. But a 31, 32, 33 year old, I'm just like, man, him, Kevin Durant, all these older guys. Well, I love KD. KD isn't. They don't, but they don't. They don't like, have um, time to, to to be in these in these organizations, situations, and, and, and waiting for them to get it right, and and, and waiting for you, you to get it right. You're right. Uh, maybe I'm a little too hard time. on them. Maybe yeah. I'm a little too hard on them. But I, I ain't don't doing it. Them I ain't staying on the job, and I and all I do is push paper. Like I ain't Shout doing out to James Harden. <laughs> I respect <laughs> him as a talent. Like I said, I do respect him as a talent. I thank you guys for being here. This was I knew this was going to be a fun episode. I love both <laughs> you guys, and um, we need to Nat, you that football mind. We need to have back to discuss the huddle side of our equation. Um, break down the NFL with training camps opening and preseason about to open. So I know that um, Brandon is fiending to do that. Because <laughs> he wants to talk about some huddle stuff. Look at that smile. You see the smile. I'm ready. So we, I love the insight. I love the insight. On the car, on the car that's what we do. So I'm I appreciate ready. it. I appreciate but before it. we close out with some Celtics fans here, I just feel the need to call out Kimba Walker, um has signed a deal to play overseas but isn't i think you know when the news came out it was like oh poor kimba i don't think kimba is you know because of the injuries to his knees i don't think he's an nba um player that's you know like that could be dependent on to that level anymore but I think he could contribute to a team. But I didn't want to see him as a third option, some locker room guy. He's Kimba Walker. Um, I, you know, like, so I, I wanted to see him play again, but in what way? What I like about him playing overseas, and Nicholas Platoon pointed out something where he said, it's not given to every good player to move to the third best team in EuroLeague and live in the south of France. Knowing the level of competition in EuroLeague is pretty good move after what Kimber went through the last couple of months. I've, I think he meant the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, like that has me encouraged and I'm going to get some streaming of the games because I think that'd be, it sounds like a great situation for him to play in. He doesn't have the pressure and people making jokes about him over in the States, you know what I mean? Or making comments about because his knee is, is, is almost done. He's playing, he's playing in the South of France. It feels like it's a great, um, it's really good for him, you know what I mean, to play over there for a few years, maybe before he, yeah. um, you know, gives it up. Because with Kimba, his knee just couldn't hold up, um, and it's unfortunate. But it sounds like signing overseas is living in the south of France, getting paid for it, and and um, sounds like a good move for him. And I trust Nick Platoon since he he's from there and he understands the market over there. Yes, so good for Kimba. Yeah. Uh, respect yeah. to Kimba. I will always love Kimba. Um, cardiac Kimba lives on. So <laughs> thank you for being here, guys. And that, like I said, we'll be in touch to discuss NFL in detail and, of course, break down your Saints and what you think about them. But to talk about the NFL in general, especially what's going on with the running backs. Um, I think it's atrocious. And I wanted to talk about some this is gonna be cut by the way. Some of the things that um some of the things that Stephen A has been saying, I just want to throw this out there to you and have you think about it. 
have running backs come out. This should have been negotiated because of what's going on with running backs by the second contract. They're not paying them, but that's usually when players get paid that they should let running backs come out after their freshman season and, and play in the league. They shouldn't have to wait three years to get in the league is if you're using wear and tear as an argument against them getting paid, then let them come out earlier because that's the one position that should be able to come out earlier. And that way they can take advantage of getting paid um, what they deserve. Because next year, the highest paid running back is a rookie. I want to get into that with you in, in detail. Y'all, oh, we definitely can. I mean, I love what you just said because I agree with that. They should be able to come out earlier. I think it's atrocious with what's going on with them. Like, I hate them, those black men running, like, like running. And, running back to workhorses. And I'm yeah, a Giants yeah. fan. I There's no it. way Danny Dimes would look even halfway decent without Saquon Barkley. Yep. And the fact that yeah, my 30% team Saquon, they should not have a second franchise tag. Like they shouldn't have to deal with a franchise, two franchise tag. Like I just think the way the NFL um, treats running backs is atrocious. They should have a union. They should have a union, honestly. They have to. They have yeah, to have a separate. I think they need a separate union. I think they do. They need back, a separate union. They need a separate union. union. Doesn't look out for them. The They're fact the worst. That the NFL is different than the NBA. The NBA has four hundred to four hundred and fifty guys. Getting them to agree is a lot easier than telling twenty five. Yeah, uh, that's agree. Yeah. That's I true. Like that the numbers already. We can't get eight people to agree on something. That's important. true. And look at the NBA con- and look at the NBA. That the yeah. NCBA that the middleman is going to get. <laughs> the middleman is going to get. They thought they were. Gonna, I, CJ probably thought he was getting the middleman more money because the middle level, it's, it's you know, like mid level and down, they all got increases to their con. Even the two way players, um, there were a lot of good things, even though it looks like it's, but in practice, they're going to be cut out. Like, <laughs> I will say. One of the things that the players went for, I believe that it goes under look, is some of the benefits they got with revenue sharing in the BRI. Yeah. Getting I, that, I think, yeah, I think that's great. That deal, those licensing rights, now that's not going to, that's going to salary. But they're definitely getting some other things in there. We already uh, seen with the mid-level players. Going to contenders, right. they're not going to be able to if they don't sign for the minimum. Fair. That's fair. They're going to have to go to non- yeah non-competitive teams to get yeah. the mid-level exception. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for being here.